0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It's
1: not on him. It's on them. It's a decision. It's a choice that's made. Just like you and I, you have a choice. You want to receive this free gift of eternal life, or do you want to reject that? Do you want Jesus or do you not want Jesus? If you don't want Jesus, that's fine. That's your choice. But there is an end result to that.
0: Because here's the deal. There are sins that have to be accounted for. We all make choices every day. We made them this morning when we woke up, and until we fall asleep at night, we'll still be making them. The choices that we make are ours alone to own. We can't point the finger or shift blame for any of the decisions that we make. When it comes to Jesus, all of us have to make a decision there, too. We can hear his words and accept his message, or we can go our own way, rejecting what he did. In today's message, Pastor James shares about the decision that everyone will have to make regarding Jesus. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 25, as Pastor James continues his message, Personal Holiness.
1: we'll say to them, verse 40, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were doing it for me. And so as he's driving home this point and getting us to this, this little end section here concerning, well, what's going to be the result for the guys on the left, it, just a good encouragement for, for those who stand on the right, so to speak, serve the Lord, serve him with gladness, and serve him by serving other people. Serve him by serving others. If you see somebody in need, then help them out. Help them out, right? If you know somebody who's in need of, if, if they're not feeling well, they're sick, well, come alongside them. Pray for them. Can I bring you a meal? Can I do those types of things? If somebody's just, if they're just in need, we need to be able to come alongside them because yes, you are serving them, but ultimately you're doing it for the Lord. And he, he keeps, he keeps record of that stuff. And that's, that's a beautiful thing that we get to, in serving others, we're serving Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Because you don't want to be on the other side of this thing. Now, your service to the Lord and all the good stuff doesn't mean you'll go from the right hand to the left hand, okay, if you're not doing this. Okay, so let's clarify that. Like, if you're like, I never help out anybody. Well, okay, but if you're a believer in Christ, then we need to change that, okay? We need to You need to start looking out for the needs of other people, right? The other side, the left side, are they're not on the left because they never helped anybody out. They're on the left because of choice, a decision that they have made to reject, ultimately to reject Jesus. Now you need to understand this about the people on the left side too. Some of them are very, uh, you know, very generous in helping people out, but it's never for the people. It's always for themselves. Okay? So I want to clarify that because we know there are a lot of people who have money, maybe they have celebrity status or whatever, and they're very active in helping out people all across the world. But what's the motivation behind that? Is it, you know, it's certainly not for the Lord because if there's no relationship, then there's, it's not done unto the Lord. It's done to make them feel, they don't want them to feel good about themselves because they're grasping for anything, right? To fill that emptiness with inside of them. And the other side of that is they feel like, well, if I do these good things, if there is an eternity, then all these good things I do will give me access into eternity, So it's never done for the Lord Jesus. And and that's why the people on the left, it's not as if they never helped out anybody ever. It's just that they were never, they were never on the Lord's side and they were never doing anything as unto the Lord. Okay. But the ones on the right, the sheep, they did these things. They just, this is just how they lived their lives. This was like a normal outflow of their lives. They gave their lives to Jesus, he transformed their hearts and their minds. What once was unnatural became supernatural, and they just started loving people. And they cared about people. I don't know if you remember what that was like for you. Maybe you've always loved people. I did not. Before Jesus, I, I loved some people, but I didn't love all people. I, I, I mean, that's, just, that's the truth. That's the reality. I love the people who could help me out. Right? I love the people who treated me fairly. I love the ones who, you know, love me. I didn't love people who didn't love me. I didn't love people that I didn't understand. I didn't, okay? But when Jesus, when I surrendered my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit took up residency inside of me, everything changed. Every, and that was the, one of the most drastic things I noted when I gave my life to Jesus was, I love people now. I don't, it's, and I can love people that I don't even really like that much, right? And you're like, oh, can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. Um, you can totally do that. I, I have a care, a concern, compassion for, man, for people, certainly for people who don't know the Lord. Um, and that's a supernatural thing. That's what transformation is. That's how our lives should be marked by that transformation. When you surrender your life to Jesus, transformation has to take place. And then you, the, the natural outflow of that is these gifts of service. You're just helping people out. That's who he's talking about. These ones on the right, they're surrendered to him, and, and they, they're doing this stuff. They're living their lives like this. But we have to talk about the other group. Because the ones on the right, and just like I told you before, and we'll talk about it at the end, their destination is set. And Jesus, he was going to tell his disciples in that, that passion week, you know, he lets them know like, look, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you and all this this crazy cool stuff that should like get us excited about what's to come. We should be more excited about what's to come than anything else. Right? Like I love living here on this planet. I have a beautiful wife. I have four beautiful kids. We get to do a lot of cool stuff. I live on an island when it's not trying to kill me. Plant life, I had poison ivy all over my face last week. When it's trying, you know, it's beautiful. It's amazing. But I am most excited about what's to come. When I think about heaven, new earth, all that, man, I'm stoked. I get like goosebumps, and I'm like, yes, yes, I can't wait for that. I love this. I love this. I love where I'm at. Love it. I love people I'm surrounded with. I absolutely love it. But that like new heaven, new earth thing, it just takes it like on a whole nother level. I can't wait. Can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's, let's talk about the guys on the left. Cause there is, there is an, an end result for those who reject the free gift of salvation. Okay, let's just read through it. Okay, verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons, please note that, prepared for Satan and the fallen angels, made for them, not made for humanity, not made, not created for People who rejected Jesus. It was created for Satan and his fallen angels. Also the Antichrist and the false prophet. You read through the book of Revelation. But we need to understand it was prepared for them. Doesn't mean that people aren't going there. But it was prepared for them says, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me any clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, funny that they use that term, Lord, 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 right? A lot of people will say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good stuff I did for you. He's like, I'm sorry, but who are you? Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? We helped out all the time. He will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal, eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Okay, that's key. It's key these days because there's a doctrine that's going around within churches today that hell is not eternal. That's not eternal. And the, the reason, and it's way more of a liberal stance within the church than anything else. And the reason why is because they're trying to, like, well, if God's such a loving God, why would he be so cruel and mean as to make somebody suffer in hell for eternity? And I would say, I understand your question. However, I don't think you're reading your Bible. Because every time I read through the Bible, every time I study through the Bible, and I study topics such as hell and heaven, I think, God is so loving. God is so good. It's amazing how good he is. And this eternal suffering, this eternal punishment, that's not on him. It's not on him. It's on them. It's a decision. It's a choice that's made. Just like you and I, you have a choice. Do you want to receive this free gift of eternal life or do you want to reject that? Do you want Jesus or do you not want Jesus? If you don't want Jesus, that's fine. That's your choice. But there is an end result to that. Because here's the deal. There are sins that have to be accounted for. And if you reject his free gift, and we talk about this all the time. We went through the book of Revelation. We saw that. Jesus drank from the cup of wrath. He, He appeased that for us. If you don't want that, then that's left for you to drink from for the rest of your life because you are not perfect and it doesn't matter how long you exist, you will never be able to cover your sins. So just accept the free gift that the perfect one, Jesus, lived a perfect life, died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice, drank from the cup of wrath. He did all that for us so that we wouldn't have to. But if you don't want that gift, then you have to drink from that cup forever, because you will never cover your sins. That's the reality of heaven and hell. It's a rejection of Jesus and his free gift. C.S. Lewis says the gates of hell are locked from the inside. They're locked from the inside. It's a decision. It's a choice that's made. We also have to understand this as well. What I get so excited about concerning heaven, being in the presence of Jesus, that concept is hell for some people who hate Jesus. So it's like, I want all people to go to heaven. Some people don't want anything to do with Jesus. They hate him. And for them to, like, to spend eternity in his presence, that sounds like hell to me. I mean, that's what we're dealing with here, guys. And, and there's this... There's this doctrine that's going around where it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, there's two approaches to this thing. There's universalism, which is false, okay? Because what they like to say is, well, okay, basically in the end, everybody goes to heaven. Well, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. And I know verses that they quote, but they are not quoting them within context. And they're not doing a very good job on word study either. That's universalism. There's churches. There's a church here on on the island, they would, they would ascribe to that. Everybody in the end ends up in heaven. Now, you and some of our, you know, Catholic friends would say like, well, there's this thing called purgatory, which is not in the Bible, BTW, um, by the way. It's not in the Bible. It's actually, you, you do not find any concept of purgatory at all within the scriptures. None, not at all. Then they, they pull this this concept from the Apocrypha, okay? And there's one verse that kind of alludes to that. And so they took that. And so basically what they're saying is like, look, if you still have some sins that need to be atoned for, well, you can spend this time in this gap thing, this, uh, this you know, purgatory. And, and when, you know, however years it takes, you know, maybe 50 years or so, but once that's done, then you can go to heaven. How in the world am I going to pay for my own sins if I can never do that in this life? It doesn't, there's, see, there's no biblical structure to that at all. There's, there's no weight to that thing at all, at all. But what are we doing? We're, we, we as humans are holding on to hope that what? That some of our loved ones will be there with us. And I understand that. I'm, I have compassion for that. I get that. But I also would hope that that motivates us to be praying nonstop And witnessing to our friends and family members that we love and care so much about, we don't know. We have no clue who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. We have no idea. Jesus does. He knows all things. And if He doesn't know that, then we're serving the wrong God. Okay? So He knows that. He knows all that. So what is a mystery to us should be an encouragement for us to be like, I'm just going to tell everybody about about Jesus and about the gospel. Why? Because He wants all men to be saved. I should want all people to be saved. So nobody's excluded from this beautiful gospel message. But there's that element, I think it's crept, it crept into the church, you know, years and years back of like, well, we just don't like that because of what that might mean for our family members. I understand. I understand, but you can't throw away the scriptures for the sake of your feelings. You can't. So the universalism thing, it, it's not legit. It's not there's no scriptural basis for it at all. The other thing is annihilation. right? We think this is a little bit better of a view, right? So we're like, okay, well, not everybody goes. Because number one, if I'm in a new heaven and New Earth and Adolf Hitler comes strolling up, then I got questions. I got questions I'm like, "Why is this dude here?" Yeah, Who, like, who wasn't watching? No. Oh no, everybody gets, everybody gets to go to heaven. That's nonsense. As far as we know, that guy, well, I'm pretty, pretty sure of it. We don't know what happens in the last moments of people's lives, but we're pretty confident that that guy despised Jesus. This annihilation thing is like, well, so they don't go to hell, and they don't go to heaven. So what God does is he just eliminates them. And I think, well, that doesn't sound fair at all. That doesn't sound just. That doesn't sound just. Well, they don't get to go to heaven. Okay. But they reject the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid the penalty for their sins. And in the end, they just cease to exist. The, the question that I have for both of those arguments is this, why the cross? Why the cross? If everybody goes to heaven, then why did Jesus die on the cross? If that's true, then the cross is the most insane thing ever. Why God would allow himself to be killed on a cross makes no sense if everybody goes to heaven. And even if the bad guys, quote unquote, end up getting eliminated, annihilated, Then what's the purpose of the cross? What's the purpose of the blood? What's the purpose of the sacrifice? We serve a holy God. And he says, I am holy, you be holy. There's a a standard that God sets on the lives of believers. Only he gets to define where that standard is at. And that's holiness. It's holiness. And we are covered in Christ's blood and his righteousness and all that good stuff. But he gets to make the rules. He gets to make the rules. And he created a place that will be eternal for Satan and the fallen angels. But it also will be the eternal destination for those, for all who reject Jesus. They don't have to go there, though. He didn't make it for them. But he's not going to stand in the way of their choice. That's what this thing is. That's what salvation is. It's it's a decision. God has blessed us with this thing called free will. And he will not stand in the way of it. And we read that verse from from 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, where it talked about his, his desires that all people would turn. They would repent and they would turn to him. He desires that none should perish. None. But yet they do. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 talks about this end result, in the in the end of it all, that it, it is eternal suffering. Hell is eternal. It's eternal. The fires never go out. And that's what even Jesus was, he was pointing there at Gehenna, right there on the outskirts of Jerusalem. You know, it's a little trash, trash heap type place where they used to do children's sacrifices. And now it just become like a rubbish area. And, and the fires were burning all the time. He says, that's Their destination, where the fire never dies, where the worm never dies, right? And the fires never go out. That's the reality of rejecting Jesus. Um, Throw away any ideas that you may have gotten concerning hell uh, from reading, um, you know, Dante's Infernal or whatever that's called, that book's called. I can't remember anymore. But just throw all, it's, and it's not like Satan doesn't rule in hell. I don't know, that was weird. Um, he doesn't walk around with the pitchfork and, uh, he's like the boss of hell. He's not the boss of hell. He gets thrown into hell with all the fallen angels. There's no parties in hell. I used to think that in, in high school. That's what I thought. I don't know why. Um, but I thought like, well, if all my friends are going to go to hell, then I'll join them because we'll just party down there. It's not true. I don't even (laughs) know where that came from. Um, but Hell is eternal darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, suffering, every moment of every day, forever and ever and ever. Let me read you this description from Mr. Tripp here. It's Paul David Tripp or David Paul Tripp. I always mix it up. He's got like three first names, or he's got like, not three first names, but he wrote this book. Do You Believe? He's a fantastic author, by the way, fantastic author. But he wrote this book, Do You Believe? And this is all like core Christian doctrine type stuff. I want to read you guys his description of hell. like Because we don't, I mean, we, we get a lot of descriptive terms concerning hell, but the way that he paints this is ab- absolutely incredible. He says, concerning hell, Imagine what would happen to the world if for just one moment, God would withdraw his presence and his power. And that's another reality of hell. No more presence. If God's presence, there's separation, right? Everything around us would explode into utter chaos. We would lose all ability to be the beings we were created to be. Now imagine the horror of the eternal chaos of living in a place completely separate from the presence, power, and grace of God. Imagine being in a place where nothing is what it was created to be, where there is no order, beauty, or rationality, where emotions have descended into unspeakable darkness, where there is nothing on which you can depend, where everything is completely broken and will never be restored where every day is a is a horribly bad day and will never be followed by a better day where beautiful things have become monstrous things where everything and everyone is bent twisted and distorted where everything you lay your eyes on is a horror and there is no escape imagine the awfulness of god of god saying you have wanted to live separate from me for your entire life So you will now live in that state forever. Imagine the hell of separation of God. We take for granted this connection we have with God. Even on this earth, non-believers, now I'm not saying they have a connection with God at all, but they experience his grace and they experience his mercy. Can you imagine what that is like? Where, Where in hell there is no grace, there is no mercy. That's frightening. And that's not stated there to, we're not trying to scare anybody into heaven, but we are trying to paint this picture of the reality of hell. It's a real destination. And we would be unloving as a church to not talk about it.
2: Oh, no.
0: You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you here on Bread for the Broken.